0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, your host, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs in all walks of life. And joining us on the show today is TCK and licensed professional counselor, Risa Hobson. Risa, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me today.
0: Absolutely. Risa, could you tell us a little bit about about yourself? Most specifically, where are you from, Risa? Where are you from? (laughs)
1: All right. So as you know, as a TCK, that's a little bit of a complicated question. Uh, But to kind of keep it brief, I (laughs) excuse me, my family is actually originally from California. uh, But when I was a toddler, we moved to Germany. And so I actually uh, grew up in West Berlin during the final years of the military occupation there. Um, And so most of my friends were Also, fellow TCKs, and um, then when I was in high school, we moved to rural Nevada, and then eventually I came to Portland uh, by way of college in Michigan. And I've actually been in Portland now 22 years. It's the longest I've um, lived anywhere. Wow, that is a good run. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, man. Anytime I hear TCK and military occupation in the same story, I expect there to be a lot of uh, a lot of (laughs) stories there
1: there 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 was a lot of stuff it was an interesting time and an interesting place to to grow up
0: i'm sure um so risa can you tell us a little bit about what you do now
1: yeah absolutely um so currently i'm a licensed professional counselor so i'm licensed in the state of oregon where i've had um my practice um for many years and at the moment I exclusively work with ministry folks, mostly global workers. So I do a lot of um, online telehealth, reaching folks who otherwise don't have access to counseling throughout the world. Um, I work with uh, primarily adults, couples, and as well as families. So I do a lot of um, parenting skills training, especially when it comes to the families. And so my passion is just um, wanting to help the family unit as missionaries be as healthy as possible on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I um, are also with Team, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, and we are um, part of a multi-organizational project going on in Portugal that's developing a retreat center that's serving um, ministry workers and their families throughout Europe and North Africa.
0: Mm. Oh, that's really cool. So if we could jump into things a little bit, I just wanted to pick your brain and just hear a little bit about your experience and uh, the kind of work you do, specifically like how mm-hmm. you work with families and some of the issues that come up. Um, and as you're talking to inter- and people who live and work um, internationally, what are some mm-hmm. of the most important skills that um, make for healthy living overseas?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think kind of one of the first things I start off with in talking with my families, especially if I have the opportunity to do kind of a pre-field prep um, work with them is that parenting in general, but especially in a cross-cultural context has to be more about um, building meaningful relationships and creating a sense of safety and structure in the family than it is about specific skills and techniques Mm. um, in Part of this is, you know, what works for one child may not work super well for one of the other kids. Mm -hmm. And so really just helping teach parents how to really get to know their kids, um, where they're at in their developmental stage, kind of what their unique personality is, Mm. um, and then working with parents on setting up really clear boundaries Um, but also creating kind of this atmosphere of flexibility, as you know, going overseas, um, you want to have lots of good boundaries to keep safe, but also have a spirit of flexibility because you have no idea what's coming your way (laughs) until you really get there.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like it would be a tricky, a tricky balance to maintain like the boundaries and flexibility thing.
1: Right. It really can be. Yeah. Hmm.
0: It's interesting, you know, as you're talking about that, it sounds like there's nothing particularly magical about going overseas. It's just sort of sounds like healthy parenting, you know, like healthy parenting is healthy parenting anywhere you go.
1: Right, exactly. And, you know, just there's that piece, right? The healthiest people make the healthiest parents.
0: Mm. Um,
1: And so wanting them to kind of be their best selves as well. Um, But it really is. It really is just healthy parenting, but with some extra tweaks, because obviously it's going to come with, um, extra challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important do you think, um, ritual is for families who travel overseas?
1: Um, very, very important. Um, I often use the term rhythm, okay, sure. um, but I think ultimately it's it's probably what you're meaning is the same thing, but definitely creating a family culture, whether that's including rituals and rhythms, but things that can easily be transplanted no matter where they are, because that really helps create a sense of safety.
0: Hmm. Do you have some example of those?
1: Um, yeah, I would say... Um, the way families check in with one another, kind of whatever your um, family, everything from kind of the dailyness of life, I guess, from how does your family do dinner or mealtime or devotions, making sure that those are things that no matter, don't require a lot of tools and things like just kind of the people in the family. So no matter where you go, those things can keep happening Um, As well as special occasions, like if there's a certain way your family does birthdays or your family does holidays, making sure that some of the small items that you need for that as well as those traditions go with you and are um, repeated. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes um, there's a lot of anxiety and stress about when you get to your new home culture to quickly pick up like, oh, well, we want to not offend and this is how the locals do things or this is how the other missionaries do things. And I think it's really important to still hold on to your own rituals and traditions as you very slowly go through that process of what you want to keep and what you want to incorporate or else it kind of really does create a a more intense culture shock for the kids, especially. Mm.
0: So it sounds like there's nothing inherently dangerous or hurtful about picking up new things and um, maybe picking up some of the local culture or learning Mm -hmm. from some of your other colleagues who are overseas. Um, But you Mm -hmm. want to go through that process of um, adapting and changing very gradually as you um, you ease your kids into living overseas.
1: Right.
0: That's cool. And that uh, perhaps gets into my next question, which is what are some of the biggest challenges that you would expect families to face as they're heading overseas?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, One of the things, obviously, is um, just everybody in the family copes with stress differently. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and as human beings, we tend to go a little bit, you know, even as parents, into survival mode when we're confronted <laughs> with a whole lot of stress all at once. Yes. Um. <laughs> so... You know, making sure again, and this is the piece beforehand and in the process of really developing an intentionality of knowing yourself well enough of how you cope with stress, um, you know, what you do well, what you don't do so well. um, And then also going into it, knowing how your kids cope with stress Mm. um, so that you can really just build in a lot of grace. Kids can be so um, unpredictable. (laughs) with you know their behavior and and language and outbursts and things um and so just really cultivating that that sense of of grace in the family of knowing you know we're all gonna come at this from different angles and handle this in different ways um and and that's okay Mm -hmm, mm-hmm
0: mm-hmm Gotcha.
1: Um, And then probably another challenge I see people experience sometimes is, is again relating to that acculturation process where they might ignore some red flags or push aside what they know to be safe and true. Because again, they're trying to find that balance between, I know this is what my kids need and what my families need, and this is what helps them feel safe. But I'm also being told this, or I'm also seeing this. And so again, just really trying to uh, very intentionally and gradually uh, remind yourself that I I know my kids and I know what their needs are and I know how they handle things. And so knowing when to kind of put that first in that acculturation process.
0: Mm. Do you have a hypothetical example of what that might look like?
1: Um, sure. I'm trying to think. Some of the things that have <laughs> come up for some of my families. Right. Um. One. One example that I know causes a lot of stress for parents, um, even just in anticipation, is um, issues surrounding childcare. Mm. Um. You know. Usually at home, we have our support networks in our circle of. People that we think are safe to watch our children and different families have different rules about who is and is not allowed to care for their children. Mm-hmm. And then they get on the field and suddenly, you know, maybe the way they've done things doesn't apply at all or isn't available at all. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, this other missionary family on their team might handle it this way. This other, you know, culturally, this is what's acceptable. Um, and it can really put people in a bit of a, a bind because they want their, their children. they don't want to just leave their kids with anybody, um, but they may have very, um, limited options. And so it then becomes a bit of a dance of like, how, how can I share my, if I have to go to language school during the day, or I have these ministry meetings, you know, when and how can I take my kids with me? And if not, who do I leave them with? Who's safe? What's the process? That kind of thing. mm.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I, we were we were overseas when we started having kids, and so we adapted, I think, perhaps a little bit gradually, and hadn't really thought about issues, specific issues like childcare and stuff. And um, but looking back on it, I can see how how incredibly different uh, things were over there um, in the Philippines. And uh, mm-hmm. a c- colleague of mine said something to the effect that. You know we were really we were really fortunate to have such a broad and close knit supportive community overseas um, and that things are often different when we come back to the states and in some ways, I see that mm-hmm. in some ways it's much more difficult to um, to find that supportive community just because the international community was very tight knit um, and right. there were a lot of people that we trusted so it's very interesting to think about the differences and it's not something that we thought about beforehand, but it's something that definitely grew and emerged. So I could see how, you know, it's interesting, like you're saying, um, even just thinking about uh, what that's going to be like can be uh, so stressful because, you know, right. it's the unknowns, right? Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of safety issues that go along with that and issues right. that are really important to parents. So, yeah. Do you have any examples of parents or families um, doing exceptionally well? Uh, transitioning to living overseas.
1: Um. Yeah. Th- thankfully, <laughs> I know quite a lot of families who've who've done that uh, pretty well. It, it's interesting to see even a lot of the differences. You know, when my family went overseas, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't email or Skype or you know, it was you got on a plane and you said goodbye, and there wasn't really you know long distance letters that took weeks. Or very extensive long-distance phone calls, so there wasn't a lot of support or contact, and so the things that are now available to families is so different. Yeah. Um, and so there's obviously aspects of that I think that can make it a little harder, and aspects of that that make it um, a little bit easier. But the the families that I see doing really well, a lot of it comes down to um, support network, <laughs> and so whether that's you know sending churches or organizations or family. But um, one thing I, I see often is when there is a special intentionality for the TCKs, whether that's, you know, your organization has a TCK coordinator um, like ours does, that's kind of keeping tabs on the kids. Um, but people who have groups of folks who are praying for them, praying for their marriage, praying specifically for their kids, um, people who can hold them accountable specifically for areas of parenting and their kids, Um But really, again, coming back to kind of the beginning of our conversation, it comes down to, you know, who was um, kind of healthy and really doing their best as parents to begin with before they went overseas. Like, that's a big predictor of how confident they feel that they were doing. Um, And again, that comes down to kind of those really knowing your children, knowing what's normal for their stage of human development, really kind of researching and educating yourself on... You know, in our current home context, before we leave, what's normal, what's not normal, what's healthy, what's not, what are my kids' strengths, um, where do they struggle, how do I meet their physical needs and emotional needs, kind of having a really good inventory of those things, at least a baseline level before you go, because then when you go overseas um, and things kind of start to pop up as challenges, you're much better prepared handle them because you have that baseline you know kind of what's our our normal status quo level of functioning and now what do we need to do to adapt Mm
0: -hmm. i could see and i don't know if this is going to be the case but i could see a family listening in on this podcast and being like wow yes risa that's that's a good (laughs) point i should really think about the developmental stage of my children but how do i do that
1: right right absolutely um one, one thing is to, there's a lot of really good, um, I have a lot of really good resources. So checking in with your, if you have a counselor or someone who's doing some pre-field work with you, or check in with your organization or the TC, there's a ton of really great books um, on childhood development, you know, even if you, at the very least Google Eric Erikson's stages of human development, it's going to give you really specific age ranges and kind of what's normal, not normal for kiddos and that, um, talking to people who are around you talking to your kids, teachers, to their, you know, Sunday school teachers or kids who have them in kids, people who have them in kids ministry and, um, talking with people who know your children well can be helpful, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a lot of, a lot of good books, a lot of good internet resources out there, um, on kind of exactly those things. What, what's normal, what's not normal. Um, even a pediatrician could give, you know, mm-hmm. basic information on that.
0: Yeah. I like that pediatrician. You'd mentioned TCK care, um, mm-hmm. any kind of member care, would probably have you know any kind of adequate member care would have some resources on that, Yeah. Um, teachers, um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and absolutely googling, googling Eric Erickson. If it Stages comes down to it, right? Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Better to better to come from a trusted source, but if you know if you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, man, I had a I had a teacher in college who said use Wikipedia to do your research. I mean don't stop there. Don't stop there. Oh. But kind of Yeah, I know. They said they said that Wikipedia is actually really great for doing research cuz then you can get it like a baseline of like what your questions need to be and then go find trusted resources.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, loved your, you. I loved
0: your reaction. You're like no, that's a terrible. Don't go to no. Wikipedia to raise your children. And yeah, that's no. not what I was going to say.
1: Or write your college papers, don't do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. They did specify and said you're not allowed to quote Wikipedia in Can't any way, them, shape, or no. form.
1: <laughs> it, so you're you're right. They probably would if you if you Googled probably Wikipedia would come up first with Eric Erickson and it would probably be copied and pasted from somewhere and at least be accurate.
0: <laughs> there you go. Okay. Man, there's just so much there for people to unpack. Um, you know, going into going into Going into an international experience, mm-hmm. you want to come prepared. You want to have an awareness right. of your children, what stages they're at, and what's sort of the baseline behavior um, for that stage. Um, going through that transition, you want to be conscious, conscientious um, of what your children are experiencing and what's normal and abnormal behavior for them and their in their stage, for their personality, that kind of thing. And then um, you had talked about going a little further back in our conversation, you had talked about um, easing through that international transition and really holding on to your, your rhythms and your traditions and your family culture. Um, would you have, and then on the other end of that, would you have any advice for maintaining um, the mental health of your children as you, um, continue to work and serve overseas?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, it, it depends partly on their ages, but it's definitely really great for kids to kind of have, um, their people, if that makes sense. Like again, kind of coming back to how we have so many more resources than we used to, you know, even, even in a normal context, just living here in the States, I would always recommend that parents have other trusted adults that their kids can talk to, that they can connect with, that can be mentors. Um, But again, making sure that before you leave for the field, you have other kiddos and friends of your kids that they can, you know, you have all the contact information. They could send letters or Skype or FaceTime um, with their friends uh, one, of, one of the things we see with kids, especially in the beginning, is you're getting there and you're getting on the field and parents are really tremendously busy getting, you know, language school and trying to get their ministry set up and all these things and kids can get a little bit loft in the shuffle. So thinking of kind of along the lines of making sure your kids are always visible to you and, and what is what is that going to take so that kids mm. feel valued and heard and a very visible part of the team. Cause they're giving up a lot as well to go be missionaries. And yes. so just making sure that, um, they are very much invited into that process and that they have their support team that you're helping get them connected with. A lot of times kids, especially in the younger ages aren't necessarily going to speak up and they can't necessarily tell you what you need. So you have to be a really good observer, um, and if you're feeling like maybe I'm not going to have the time to kind of navigate observing in the way I would like, then build in, make some of your rituals. You know, this is how often we're going to call cousins or grandma and grandpa or this person from church who's or the TCK coordinator. Kind of build those into your schedule ahead of time so that that doesn't get lost or dropped in the shuffle.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. Mm. And how... Uh, you just touched on this a little bit, but uh, how much of a role um, does extended family typically play in uh, supporting a family overseas?
1: Well, obviously, it, it depends on the family <laughs> and how healthy the family is that you're coming from. You know, for some people, it's more of a, a surrogate family from from church or friends or other things, and from it, it is biological family. Um, but I feel like it it plays a, a really key role, especially for the kids to kind of have those ongoing connections. Um, sometimes there needs to be a little bit of a balance built in because you obviously you want them to build new connections in their new home as well. So sometimes I see this need for balance between being too overly dependent on connections with home, but especially in the early days, it's it's good for, I feel like extended family to be as involved as they can be. Um, especially if grandparents or other people were very involved in family ritual, finding ways to do that from afar can be really helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. And you make a good point that you don't want, you don't want to lean so heavily on, um, the people, you know, quote unquote back home, um, right. that, that takes away from your current, uh, present experience. And you'd mentioned surrogate family playing a, uh, a key part in, um, creating a sense of stability for people. And I imagine right. that that could be people overseas. I mean, sorry, people quote unquote back home again, or right. perhaps right. colleagues overseas that, um, I know that was true for us that, um, our colleagues were very much, you know, um, sort of like aunt and uncle figures to our children. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. That was something, um, team does such a a great job with their kids, you know, as we're preparing ourselves right now to go overseas, they have a whole program that the kids go through, when we go through our training, and even just that language was a part of it, of of introducing them to our colleagues, even here stateside before we go, of these are going to be your aunties and uncles, and kind of, you know, encouraging that closeness even before you get to the field of, you know, family is going to look different moving forward, but it's still, it's still family, you're still going to have those people looking out for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Is that kind of what you're talking about when earlier you're talking about how important it is for TCKs to have, you know, their people, so to speak?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's people back home or it's, it's people on the field um, they kind of need their village (laughs) as well. And so, you know, the family needs their people and the marriage needs their people and the grownups and the kids, like everybody needs a few kind of point of contact people that are, their special connection
0: mm-hmm. well reese reset i think you've covered all my questions and <laughs> there's this is definitely like um I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like intensely small and powerful dynamite. This this episode has been dynamite. <laughs> there's it's been uh, com- compact, but there's just a really big bang there. And I feel like there's a lot of content for people to go over. Fortunately, it's a podcast, so you can go back and listen to this again and pick right. up on that. Um, Eric Erickson, there now you don't have to listen to that part again. <laughs> there,
1: there <we> go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there is just so there is just so much there and there's so much that can be done well. And I just, yeah, I really appreciate that routine to kind of share my experiences with families and the hopes that, um, other people can just, it can just, yeah, really induce, um, some good thoughts about that and some creative thinking of, of how to do things well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Same here. And for more excellent advice on how to do things well, keep (laughs) listening to TCK care, the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much, Risa, for taking the time out of your day to uh, come and share some thoughts on uh, with us about um, uh, supporting families, supporting your own family and creating a healthy family culture as you live overseas and transition into uh, working in an international role.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's great to be here today.
0: All right. You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast, is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.